Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Uh, permission to beam aboard. Permission granted. Oh, okay. Uh, let me make a beaming sound. Woo, 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 woo. Okay. Most people have probably tuned out at this point. <laughs> but if you haven't, hi, folks. So we're going to be talking about Star Trek Voyager Season 1, Episode 5, Phage which originally aired on February 6, 1995. Yep, we're still back in the 90s, despite two time travel episodes in a row. The dream of the 90s is alive in this show, I guess. And on Voyager, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's just dive into it. All right, so this was uh, Stardate 485-32.4. So... It opens with a captain's log. Captain Janeway says, Neelix... Well, first of all, Captain Janeway says, we're low on dilithium crystals. Mm -hmm. Neelix says, there's a planet out there with dilithium. So they're going to go check out that planet. The planet dilithium? The planet of dilithium. Oh, okay. Uh, It's a rogue planetoid, I guess I should say. Mm. Um, At this point, um, Janeway and Chakotay are having an exposition-heavy conversation talking about the food situation and Janeway says that she's still eating the vacuum packed rations mm-hmm. because the replicators aren't working. Now, do they say that the replicators aren't working or they're just kind of alluding to the fact that the, they never said working? outright, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean the fact that they're eating the rations and not using replicators, right? Maybe they're trying to conserve fuel. I don't know. Anyways. Captain Janeway goes into her private dining room, and surprise, Neelix is in there cooking. <laughs> Neelix is up to something. Neelix decides he's going to make it, uh, the captain's personal dining room into a galley and mm-hmm. use the vegetables from the hydroponics bay, uh, which was mentioned in episode three, Parallax, when uh, Kess was in charge of making the hydroponics bay. Mm-hmm. So we got some continuity there. Yeah. And, and didn't Neelix in... Ooh, I'm only a few episodes in and I'm losing my my uh, memory of Voyager. But he did say in an earlier episode something along the lines of how he could cook. Yes. So we've been kind of waiting for this, maybe. Well, I wasn't exactly waiting for <laughs> it as so much as I was, you know, figuring maybe they'd do something with it. And But boy, oh boy, he goes all out. Yeah, Janeway smells what Neelix is cooking, and uh, <laughs> she's not uh, too interested in it. Now, her private dining hall, apparently, or private dining room? I thought that's kind of like a luxury to have on a spaceship where space is kind of limited, right? Yeah, you would think so, especially since they added a bunch of Maquis people to their crew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't seem to remember Picard having his own private dining room, but maybe I need to go back and catch up on my TNG. <laughs> well, anyways. Voyager reaches the planetoid. Uh, Chakotay, Kim are going to go on an away mission to check out these dilithium deposits, and Neelix invites himself along because that's mm-hmm. what he does. Yeah, you know, he's totally a member of the crew, apparently. <laughs> I liked how, I mean, he was wearing his uh, chef's outfit. I guess maybe it was just an apron. Mm-hmm. But it seems weird that he was wearing his chef's outfit, and then he gets on the bridge, and he's just totally all cleaned up and ready to go. I'm like, yeah. 
I'm like, did Janeway wait for him to change? Or like... <laughs> hey, hey, hold up, Janeway. Uh, I've got to change into something a little more official looking uh, than my chef's uh, outfit before I can go onto the bridge. So the three beam down the planet, uh, and the planetoid is hiding some sort of structure, some sort of technological structure, uh, and an alien a humanoid-looking alien. And then the uh, opening credits. That's the big cliffhanger. Is there's, there's someone, there's something on that planetoid. Mm-hmm. When we come back from the credits, Chakotay and Kim, they can't, they're using their tricorders, but they can't find the actual dilithium. They're, yeah. They're, they're seeing, there's traces of it, but they can't find the dilithium. Right. They're not finding all of this dilithium that they were scanning from Voyager. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. And, uh, yeah, so Neelix is wandering off on his own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he gets zapped mm. by this alien, uh, the aforementioned alien, and he goes into shock. Uh, we don't know what happened to him. We, you know, he could have been He's hit. just been, yeah, he's just been shot. Yep. Stunned or something. So Chakotay and Kim catch up to him and go, oh, crap, we got to get to the sick bay. And when they get to the sick bay... Uh, the doctor tells him that his that Neelix's lungs have been removed. So his lungs have been stolen. Yes. So let that sink in for a moment, folks. They've been beamed out of his body. So it, it, in case, like me, you'd ever had a nightmare involving a transporter being used to beam parts of your body out <laughs> when you didn't want them removed, this is actually the premise of this episode. The premise of... This episode, Phage, is Neelix's lungs are missing. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of messed up. It's pretty messed up. It, it's yeah. really kind of unsettling the way they handle it. So, The doctor tells everyone that it'll be impossible to replicate Neelix's lungs. So I guess some replicators are working, though. Hmm. Maybe it's that they... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. Maybe they were just kind of... Um, diverting power away, or they didn't want to use up all their dilithium or something. Yeah. And I guess in a, I guess in a situation where someone's lungs have been stolen, you know, the captain would approve using the re- like a one-time use of, re- of the replicator mm-hmm. to to pop out some new lungs. Uh, here we get to see more of Paris acting as the doctor's assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Kess being, obviously being concerned for Neelix. And we also see something that uh, we see the doctor trying to figure out a solution. And this really reminded me of the show House MD, mm-hmm. where the doctor has this terrible personality, this terrible bedside manner. Right. But he can figure out problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's so, like thinks it through and comes up with some kind of novel solution. Yeah. And mm. uh, his solution's pretty clever. He comes up with holographic lungs. Hmm. Uh, which normally you would think would have no mass and would well, just well, be... Well, they, they, show, <laughs> they show that the Doctor can, you know, bend light and become... Oh, right, right. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have an explanation for it. But when you first hear, we're going to make him some hollow lungs or holographic lungs, you're just kind of like, what? Okay. <laughs> they do, have, do continue, please. They have this whole scene between Paris and the Doctor establishing mm-hmm. that, you know, the Doctor can, you know get hit or hit other people. Mm-hmm. So Janeway goes down on another away mission, as she does. Uh, she takes Kim, Tubok, and a yellow shirt. And uh, so 
they're scanning around where Neelix was found. And Chainway notices there's a temperature difference in the wall compared to the rest of the environment. Mm-hmm. So they use their phasers to blast the wall and it reveals the crazy alien technological hallway thing. Right. Uh, so this is a base and not just a rogue planet. The away team goes in into this uh, structure. They find the source of the dilithium signature. And they also find a bunch of organs. And it's kind of gross if you think about yeah. it. <laughs> just a whole lot of organs. It's like they're having a, a clearance sale on organs in this place. Then an alien is there. They chase after the alien. Uh, meanwhile, back on Voyager, the holographic lungs work. But Neelix has to stay immobilized. Mm. Because if he moves at all, the lungs will, you know, won't line up. And yeah, they'll disconnect. It's like he can't move more than a micron or two microns or something. Yeah. Uh, and so yet again, it's just this kind of like, ugh, like this is a really bad situation. <laughs> Neelix is being restrained by a force field. He's kind of, it's basically he's like an iron lung. Mm-hmm. And he can't, I mean, he can't leave it. You know, they're basically saying, you know, if we can't get your lungs back, you, you may be like this forever. And uh, Neelix is understandably upset, and he's looking at his surroundings. He basically can only look at the ceiling, so he's mm. complaining to the doctor <laughs> about the ceiling color and the decorations. And uh, the doctor has a good line that I wrote down. I'm a doctor, Mr. Neelix, not a decorator. Right. Which so is it's a little, very... Yeah. Uh, you know, original Trek uh, Yeah, style. call back to Bones. I'm a doctor, Mr. Neelix, not a decorator. <laughs> and then Neelix sees Paris being kind to Kess, and he thinks that something's going on. He's starting to get jealous. He's starting to get paranoid mm-hmm. because, you know, he's trapped in this bed. Yeah, he, he kind of starts losing it. Mm-hmm. But part of me was thinking, well, I mean, if you just found out that you know, not much time has passed. So basically, he's just found out that his lungs have been transported out of his body. He, in order to survive, he has to stay in this thing and can't move at all. And now he's basically like, oh, great. I've got this really pretty girlfriend. You know, all the all the people on the ship are going to start hitting on her. Yeah, I mean, especially Paris, because as we know, he's kind of a player. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's totally understandable. And I actually like this aspect of Neelix because it kind of humanizes Neelix as a character. He's not just this happy go lucky dude. He's right. You know, he Walking has punchline. He has emotions, you know, mm-hmm. but he's definitely a jealous, jealous guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Neelix is obviously upset about being stuck about his situation. I mean, mm-hmm. as, people would be um voyager is chasing after the alien ship uh so what happened was the away team was chasing after the alien alien beamed out to his ship ship took off voyager's chasing after the ship falls into uh an asteroid they when they get into the chamber or fly into the asteroid there's they see all these reflections it's basically like they say in the show a hall of mirrors yeah where they see they see yeah. lots of Voyagers and lots of the alien ship. 
Yeah, I mean, it basically, when they flew in there, I'm like, uh, uh, there's a whole lot of starships in here. Oh, it's like a funhouse mm-hmm. in Call of Mirrors. Which, uh, it's kind of interesting that people in the, in, in this, you know, future century would kind of know what a Hall of Mirrors is. Like, <laughs> I guess they still have them back in, uh, in future Starfleet Earth. Yeah, of course. Just mm-hmm. like they have, uh, you know, Southern Farms from the. <laughs> Right. There's all this strange, like, last century stuff uh, on Voyager so far. Like, all of the references they're making are very much, like, not even close to modern-day Earth. They're, like, all back in, you know, olden times. Well, you know the reason for that is so that it's like, oh, yes, the viewers will understand this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, within the context of the show, it is very odd. Uh, cast on the Dr. Bond. The doctor feels overwhelmed by his situation. He's like, I am, and I'm only there as a, to assist the doctor. I'm, you know, just an emergency program, but now I have to be the doctor for the ship. And, uh, Kess compliments him and says, Oh, you're more than just a program. You're learning and all this. Mm-hmm. So basically you're doing a good job and recognizing that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the hologram is actually doing something good yeah and this is a continuation of earlier on when Kess and the doctor were kind of bonding let's see in order to find the actual alien ship chakotay suggests using the phasers mm, mm-hmm. well someone suggests using the phasers chakotay suggests using it on the lowest power setting <laughs> not maximum yeah because it wouldn't bounce off the actual alien ship then they could find it mm-hmm Otherwise, they're just going to end up blowing up themselves or, Mm -hmm. well, at least damaging their shields. So they find their ship, they beam, they find two alien lifeforms aboard, they beam them aboard to Voyager, and these aliens are, they're kind of like Frankenstein's monster, they're kind of patchwork (laughs) aliens. I just, I wrote down, just, they're so gross. (laughs) Like, they're really difficult to look at. I think... You know, they did a a really good job of, of making them look just awful. Yeah, and, they, uh, I mean, they have all these mismatched parts. They're, mm-hmm. like, they're like a a real-life version of a rag doll. Mm-hmm. They're pieced together, mm-hmm. and um, we, and, you know, very shortly find out kind of the reasoning for this. Yeah, they're called Vidians, and, uh, yeah, they're suffering. The entire people are suffering from this virus called the phage, which destroys their bodies, and so they need to replace the destroyed parts front with other alien parts. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, they say from cadavers, but if in an emergency, they'll take it from some live person, which mm-hmm. unfortunately happened to be Neelix this time. Yeah, he was just convenient. He was like right there. And isn't there some kind of? There's like this relationship between. So there's the two aliens. But one of them is kind of like this assistant. It's not quite the right term, but he he's basically his job is to procure the organs for this other alien. Right. So there's kind of like this weird like level of um, I don't know what the word would be, but just kind of like this this system of, you know, this person is, uh, you know, more important. So your job is to go out and find organs for this person yeah well, i think it was like a sculptor or something on their home planet he yeah says. yeah he was an artist um mm-hmm. they say that the v- vidians were scholars and explorers and artists 
but mm-hmm. then this virus caused them to become these scavengers. Yeah. Now they're basically like these horrible, like, murder, murder, weird people. Mm-hmm. Grotesque looking. <laughs> Nightmarish. So Neelix's lungs have been bonded to one of the aliens. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Janeway, she has to either let the Vidian go or she has to kill the Vidian to get the lungs back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a, a you know big moral quandary for her because on the one hand, yes, yeah, she wants to save her crew member. Mm-hmm. On the other, you can't just kill them. Right. Well, and I mean, I, as I understood it while I was watching, there's also something about basically in order to adapt the lungs to the alien, to the Vidian, they have to kind of undergo some sort of change, um, so that they'll be compatible with the physiology. Mm -hmm. So I almost thought for a minute, it was basically like they could kill the Vidian and take the lungs back out, but then they would be, they would be incompatible with Neelix. So they kind of make it like, well, we took his lungs, and they're already made to work with us, so it's kind of too late. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Janeway just decides to let them live. Mm. She's like, get out of here, but if you ever show your face again, we'll totally wipe you out. Yeah. Yeah, so they're like basically not willing to kill these guys. Um, I mean, even though I guess they could have tried to maybe put Neelix's lungs back in. I don't know. But yeah, it was it was uh, not a good decision to have to make. (laughs) And then the Vidian, being grateful for their life, having their lives, says we can help Neelix with our advanced medical technology. Mm -hmm. So what they need to do is they need to get a live a lung from someone from some donor and they mm-hmm. can use their transporter device thing handheld transporter slash tricorder slash everything magic device and they could give it to Neelix but that would mean you know someone's gonna someone has to die in order to become the donor or so they think mm-hmm. but then Kess suggests giving her one of her lungs, which she had brought up earlier, I believe, in the episode. Yeah, yeah, she does. She actually says something like, can't I just donate one of my lungs? And the doctor, I believe, says something along the lines of, you could, but your lung isn't compatible with Neelix's physiology, basically. Right, but the Vidian technology would make it compatible. Yeah, so they basically have kind of this miracle device that's like this all-in-one surgery transporter unit that also modifies the organs to work with any other race. So it's like this crazy, like, plot device. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, it's the plot device. My question is, why can't they make replicated lungs and then use the miracle device to put those replicated lungs in? That's a really good point. Because, I mean, they're basically, they're taking Kessa's lung, which has nothing to do with the Talaxian. Did I say that right? Talaxian? Yep. With um, the Talaxian body, uh, in Neelix's case, and they're making it work with the Talaxian. So, yeah, if they have the technology to replicate, I mean, is that something that exists? Could they technically replicate human lungs on a replicator? Well, I mean, they could. I mean, they brought it up. As right. a possible solution earlier yeah. on. so They basically said we could, you know, oh, normally we could replicate lungs, but the, you know, we don't have the information on file to create Talaxian lungs. Mm-hmm. 
But we can replicate them holographically. Yeah, we can re- replicate them holographically. And then later on, we have a device that will magically make any body part work with another alien species. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, boy. I think you might have found a little bit of a plot hole, my friend. So that just struck me as strange. <laughs> it's a plot hole in Neelix's chest. So Cassie <laughs> donates one of her lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neelix is fine. He's January agrees to let Neelix continue being the chef of the ship uh, until they fix the replicators. Mm. Uh, the doctor <laughs> doctor says, Kess, you want to be my assistant? Because Tom Paris is kind of unreliable. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, uh, do you want to be the assistant to the assistant? And then you could probably just take over for the assistant. And she agrees, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say that I kind of, you know, I liked this episode, just in that it reminded me a lot of a classic Trek episode. Um, but, I mean, what you've kind of noticed about the whole why didn't they just replicate human lungs and make them compatible with Neelix? Uh, kind of took the wind out of <laughs> took the wind out of my enjoyment there when I realized that there was a big problem. I'll say overall, I think this is the best episode we've seen so far. Yeah, definitely. And it, it I mean, it really, you know, I'm a big fan of classic uh, original series Star Trek, and there are quite a few episodes of that show where. You know, something happens, they beam down to a planet. I mean, sometimes it's even they just come across a a planet and they want to beam down and check it out. And then something happens that um, puts one of the crew's lives in in danger. Uh, And, you know, they kind of have to deal with, you know, whatever has happened, like, uh, you know, Bones has to try to figure out you know, how to save the life of Scotty or something along those lines. And so this really kind of harkened back to that, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, it, it's kind of spoke to me and, and appealed to me as a as a Star Trek fan. But, I mean, there was some, some creepiness to it. And there was that, like you said, there was that moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. You know, what's Janeway going to do? Um, I'd also written down that this is kind of the Star Trek version of that... Uh, uh, urban, I guess, urban legend, uh, about, uh, waking up in a bathtub full of ice. Oh, yeah. After yeah. a night of, after a night of partying and you've got a note that says, you know, we, we took your kidneys. <laughs> you need to get to the hospital. <laughs> Except in this case, it was, you know, Neelix woke up and found out his lungs had been taken. Yeah. And I liked how focused this episode was. Um, mm-hmm. basically only had one main plot thread. Uh, and yeah, that's a good point. There was nothing else really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take this character, Neelix, who's there for comic relief and you really, you know, give him a lot to work with. He becomes an interesting character mm-hmm. and you get, you get a lot of great doctor moments. I, I don't know. This, I mean, aside from the plot hole at the end <laughs> i think it worked really well and i think the vidians were actually a very interesting alien species where they're just kind of they're trying to survive in their own way and unfortunately that means you know mm-hmm. plundering other people yeah i mean it was definitely a like i said it, it was a bit of a it was a gray area. It was this sort of morally kind of ambiguous area where you could kind of feel for the, the aliens, you, you know, obviously, you know, you put the, yourself in their shoes, 
and you'd be thinking, well, how am I going to survive? You know, we, our race is dying off. Basically our only way to continue living is to go around and take the organs of others. And they said, you know, we're trying to take these from corpses, but sometimes we just, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely, it's disgusting. Um, it's like this, you know, really kind of vile kind of thing to have to do. And I think, you know, Janeway has to kind of face that. Like, it's horrible, but, you know, we can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting to see. I mean, this was, you know, since the, the pilot, I want to say, this was the first... Well, I guess it wasn't the first alien race. I guess it was the first non, um, since the pilot, the first kind of non totally humanoid alien race. <laughs> because in, in the last episode, uh, time and again, I mean, the aliens were basically just humans. Right. Uh, this was the first time we actually got to, to see, since, since the pilot at least, got to see some aliens wearing some, you know, makeup. And it was really good makeup, too. I think this was back when, um, Michael Westmore, and he's like a, a guy who's an advisor now on the sci-fi show Face Off, the, the makeup, special effects makeup show. Uh, I think this was back when he was still working on Trek. Um, he was the guy that created the Borg and a whole bunch of other, uh, alien races. And, and I think he had some involvement in this, uh. It was really, uh, really gross makeup. Yeah, it was, it was real, cool. I mean, really unsettling, but really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, I was, I was going to say earlier, but I actually read something when we were getting ready to record the episode. Uh, it's a little bit of trivia I like to look up on every uh, episode that we watch. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but originally the plot of this episode was going to be that Tom Paris was had his heart taken hmm. and the original title of the episode was heart and soul but eventually through the process of writing the episode they ended up with uh it being neelix and his lungs um i guess they thought something about uh his heart being taken might be a little i don't know too corny or something <laughs> but um i mean i don't know i don't know if it i i guess in a in a way it was better that they ended up having the character be Neelix that lost something. Yeah. So that I'm, you could get a little bit more of his character. Exactly. Like develop him a little bit more. Yeah. He hadn't been developed until this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris, we got a good sense of who he is right now. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously don't know the thought process that went into it, but I mean, I've got to think that it had something to do with developing Neelix's character some more, developing the relationship between, uh, he and Kess some more, the relationship between Kess and the doctor some more. Whereas it was Tom Paris, it would just been kind of like, Oh, you know, it's Tom Paris again. Something happened to Tom Paris. Yeah. And there was also that episode of TNG with uh, Picard when you find out about his heart, um, where he needed to basically have his heart replaced. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they were thinking, you know, oh, we've already done something with the heart. So what's That's near just... the heart? The lungs. The lung. <laughs> what else do you need to survive? <laughs> <laughs> they'd have been great if well there was a, a classic original series episode where spock's brain is taken so someone needs their courage taken away yeah <laughs> they're just gonna start taking when they start taking away their uh 
their different emotions, then it will basically be an episode of Red Dwarf. So yeah, pretty much. we'll be t- talking about a much funnier show. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Red Dwarf, though, I mean, the Doctor is very similar to Arnold Rimmer. That's a good point. I mean, he's a hologram. Um, he definitely has an, a crazy attitude. <laughs> Interesting. I'll, I'll have to do some more uh, web scouring to see if there was ever any comparison drawn between those two, or if, if any of the people running Voyager were ever asked if uh, they were influenced at all by by Red Dwarf. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned House, uh, because this, I, I think it's definitely predated House. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, not that I'm saying that, that, uh, Hugh Laurie and House, like, were watching a bunch of Voyager episodes <laughs> and decided they wanted to do a, a modern, non-holographic version of the Doctor or anything, but. No, I just, when I, when that scene was playing out, I couldn't help but think of House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of this grumpy, grumpy doctor with horrible bedside manner having to come up with this uh, inventive solution to something mm-hmm. and uh i guess if he had said something about it being uh lupus <laughs> <laughs> you've <laughs> mr uh yeah uh mr uh what's your name neelix yeah you've got space lupus it's not it's never space lupus it's not lupus it's your yeah. lungs are gone <laughs> uh next week we're going to talk about episode called The Cloud. Hmm. Well, so it's like where I store my data from my iPhone? Yeah, just make sure you don't store any uh, pics. Oh, yeah. So are you saying that Kess shouldn't put any of her her private photos for Neelix on the cloud? <laughs> or the other way around. You know, whatever. <laughs> Okay, the uh, Vidirin uh, uh, skin grafts have now been replaced with a different mental image that's far worse. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, see you then.